Hello, welcome to another episode of Coffee with Chris. Chris Carruthers, your host, and our guest today is Tricia Coteris with Garrity Advantage. And today our topic is the world of Medicare. For those brokers listening today, this business is unbelievable. Where it's going, trends, marketing, all the things that is so much change that's happening. It just felt like, why don't I get an expert who's kind of plugged in, who can help us kind of get a big, um, I guess, mountaintop view of our industry. And, you know, being that uh, Trisha's with Garrity Advantage and they do things on a national level, I thought the listeners would love to hear about, you know, where things are going. And and uh, so basically, um, I want to go through that whole process of where the business is going and trends, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get to that, um, I'd like to introduce Trisha and let her kind of share with us her background so you kind of know where she's coming from and and so you can understand that uh, she has some good information to share with us today. So welcome, Tricia, and go ahead and share with us your, your history. Thank you, Chris. I'm delighted to be here to talk to your listeners and share a little bit about myself and what's going on. I have been in the Medicare industry, or actually the healthcare industry in general, for uh, my whole career. Started out in group insurance, worked my way into the Medicare space, uh, actually started went with an uh, HMO for a while, learned a lot about the HMO business, and subsequently moved into the Medicare space when many people did back in 2006 with the whole new legislation that allowed for the MAPD and PDP plans to be created the way they are today. And I've seen it change tremendously over the years. Most of my career, I've spent working for carriers. I've worked for United Healthcare, Scan Health Plan, Molina Healthcare. Prudential, all kinds of carriers along the way, and picked up a lot of tips and a lot of understanding about how this market is evolving. And I'm excited where we are today because with the, unfortunately due to the COVID situation, so much has changed in how we are able to relate to the prospects that we are ever always looking for in this environment where now we can do so much more electronically. So the industry is changing rapidly. The Medicare space changes every year with the way carriers come up with new benefits and new pl- options for people to try to help them improve their health and live to the fullest in their Medicare years. So I'm happy to share everything I have with you and your team and however we can get more people on the books with the Medicare uh, Medicare Advantage and Medicare Supplement plans offered through Carruthers. Wonderful. Thank you. So where do you see this is such a loaded question so you'll probably i'll just probably end up letting you unravel because there's probably a lot to offer but i guess maybe i need to dissect a little bit more the question is is that where do we see the medicare business going but also i want to divide it into the medicare advantage and also medicare supplement interesting to see your perspective on that you would I would. Well, interestingly, I think that it's the way that Medicare works and how their reimbursements work, there's always going to be push from Medicare to get more people into what we call Medicare Advantage. Medicare supplement requires them to be still involved in the product. CMS is still involved when people are on a Medicare supplement. So their excitement gets when they can curb their costs or know what their costs would be through a Medicare Advantage. So I think that's going to continue to grow, and I think that Medicare is going to continue to make it more flexible so the carriers can make it more appealing to, uh, again, appeal to more Medicare members so that there will be 
enrolling more often into a Medicare Advantage than they even do today. And as you probably know, the Medicare market, so much of it has been um, happening in Southern California the most. That's where the highest Medicare population is enrolled in the Medicare Advantage plans. And I see that that's going to continue to grow in different areas because the carriers are becoming more focused on making plans that work better for people in areas outside of the Los Angeles area and in, in Southern California. So even uh, so moving west, east toward Nevada, moving, continuing to move east, the plans are getting better and better with more and more options to appeal to people. So I think that's going to continue as a, a trend over hopefully the next 50 years, but we'll see how long that lasts. In terms of Medicare supplement, you know, Medicare doesn't get involved in that other than to have set up those initial plan designs a few years back and, and uh, with the consistent lettering. But every year, every once in a while, they make changes to that where they say, okay, well, you can't offer these anymore. You, you We're going to make this change to it or whatever. But for the most part, Medicare supplement, I think, will also continue to evolve, evolve where more a little bit more cost share goes out there so people utilize the benefits um, sensibly. That's the whole reason for cost share is to try to drive people to be able to afford the care, but to be responsible about the use of it. If everything's free, people tend to overuse the services. Therefore, by putting some copays in or now requiring you to pay the Medicare copays or whatever it might be, co-insurance, some part of that, people will be a little bit more cautious about how they use the benefits and truly use it when needed. Yeah. You know, one of the things I was brainstorming with a colleagues, a couple of colleagues the other day on the telephone was um, what's going to happen with Medicare supplements. Um, <clears throat> one of the concerns I've had as the Medicare Advantage market continues to grow, uh, I know they're talking about, I think, saturation, was it in like in the 60% range, plus or minus some, as I think what they're thinking about long term here. Um, and meaning those that have Medicare Advantage versus those that don't. And my thought is, is that are the rates going to continue to increase on the Medicare supplements? Because are we going to have adverse selection? Meaning that more people taking the Medicare Advantage because they have the HMOs, more restrictive, right? When they stay within the boundaries of the network because that's how plans are designed which is what we all have anyway when we're under 65 anyway. But then those within the supplement have freedom of choice to go anywhere they want to. But those people want to have that control because they want that choice. Is it going to be, are we going to be faced with adverse selection, meaning that people that have higher utilization or more experience, are they going to be pulled away to the supplement to have that choice? And then that's going to be a smaller and smaller market because more are going to be going on the Medicare Advantage and that are those rates going to go, in, are they going to increase higher and higher? Um, I just a thought, uh, maybe I shouldn't unravel that out of my head, but the point is, is I'm just curious to know, are you hearing, what are you hearing from, from your end? Are you hearing anything about those concerns or any of those discussions or what, what is your take on that thought? Well, when you think about it, having come from the group insurance side personally, when was the last time you heard of a true fee-for-service plan with no PPO or an HMO network to work with. And that's what Medicare is, true fee-for-service. No network, no requirements, no restrictions, no prior authorization or any of those things that we started out with back in the 80s when when, uh, we started to cost contain. So I think you are probably right that it will either be pricing itself out of the market or it'll be 
because of adverse selection, they'll have to raise prices, which they do anyway. And that partly has to do with adverse selection because they're working with an aging population. And look at the, the population in a Medicare supplement only ages and gets less healthy over time. Even and, and there are no protective measures in there to help people stay healthy like an HMO or a PPO might offer. So it looks like that population will continue to age and therefore continue to um, drive up the cost. So I do think that's probably what's going to happen. How long that will take, that's a mystery. Um, and But because that freedom of choice is so important to so many people that haven't been or were never into an HMO. They might have been in a PPO and learned a little bit about that. But I, I think back to the time before HMOs and PPOs, were before PPOs even came out, and everybody was on fee-for-service. It was the only thing people knew. And the fear was then about a PPO. Well, I don't want to have to be, you know, know whether I'm in or out of network. I don't want to have to deal with that. But then people got used to that. And then the HMO system came out and then they got used to that. So it's possible that it'll take time. But eventually, I don't think it's, I'm not sure it will ever go away. But it's, and I wouldn't even be um, surprised if Medicare made some changes to the Medicare system, the regular Medicare fee-for-service program in order to make that. They have over the years. They added a wellness exam. That didn't used to be part of the plan until a few years ago. So they're trying to find ways to drive the cost down on the piece that they do have to pay for. That's not fixed for them. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. So, so that, and obviously that sparked another thought in my head. <laughs> um, you know, we had a trend of the private fee for service and the Medicare Advantage role. And for those listening, remember when we had that where it was a Medicare Advantage plan where you could go to any doctor, any hospital, as long as they were accepted Medicare. They came in and they went away. And if I recall correctly, I think the struggle was is how, you know, the Medicare Advantage plans are really built on managed care, that partnership between the doctors and the plan and so on. And I think that personally, that's what I think led to its demise for more or less. But, you know, Tricia, have you heard anything? What is your experience in that market since you work with some of the carriers? I actually worked for Humana at that time, which was the leader in the private fee-for-service market. And uh, that was back in 2006. They started to launch that in various markets because they had difficulty as a, a, a smaller carrier in that space in those days, in the HMO space. They didn't have networks in certain areas. So, for example, I was working in California at that time. And in California, they didn't have a network at all. They were not even a group provider here. They only provided dental, actually, in this market. So when they tried to come in here in the Medicare space, they came in with the private fee-for-service because they didn't need a network in order to provide it. But the cost of it was cost prohibitive. The plan was priced over $100, even though it was not a MedSup. It was $100 a month just to be in the private fee-for-service. But even when you were in it, the problem was the doctors weren't familiar with it. So doctors were turning people away saying, I don't take that. I don't take those health plans because they thought they were all HMOs, especially a name like Humana, which would, that's what they were thinking. It was an HMO. So that's what became the problem in the market, that the doctors were turning it away. The provi All the providers, doctors, hospitals, it didn't matter where you went, you were turned away as a Medicare provider so that or a Medicare user. And subsequently, that's why the plan, the private fee-for-service a couple of years later when it was reissued, basically, because basically there was a moratorium on it for a period of time. You couldn't sell it at all. And then when they reinstituted it, you had to have a network. So you lost that. You had to be able, your doctor had to say, yes, I'm willing to take it today 
but that could change at any time. You had, you had to have that uh, acknowledgement that the doctor or the provider would accept it. So that still left people hanging. They, at any given time, somebody could decide not to take it. And that was too scary to people. So it never really took off or became a big player in the marketplace. And I'm not even sure. I think there's a few places they still offer it, but I, I'm not aware of where those are. They don't have it where you are anymore, right, in Nevada. No, we really, the, the rural market is the one that needs it more than anyone. But right. um, because the Medicare supplement, again, is becoming cost prohibitive for a lot of people that are in retirement years. And then they come up with these MSA plans that are out there with the high deductible. And then uh, you have this uh, uh, bank account that you can use to offset your deductible and claims. But it's still uh, it's still not what we're used to having with healthcare. And right. it's, it's still a challenge. And so I'm not trying to knock it. It's just we're all looking for we're looking for that that solution. We all are. We're looking for a way to I guess the concern we have is if people don't know what it costs to go to the doctor, they won't go. Most people there are those don't care. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's a concern. I don't want someone not going because they, they're afraid of the cost. Then we didn't help them. And so. That's the goal. So it'd be interesting. So it sounds like PFF is still just uh, probably on its last uh, effort of phasing out, as it sounds like, and really not seeing really anything else coming our way. Right. Now, now that you mention it, you're right. More rural areas is what would do best with that private fee-for-service concept, especially if the providers are, are, are understanding it and willing to accept it. Because one of the things when I did work for Humana, we used to say, to the provider, because we did try to do a lot of work with providers in the area, we actually had people designated to call on providers, anybody who chose a particular doctor, that would they would reach out to that doctor's office to make sure they understood. You get paid the same thing you'd get if they were on regular Medicare, because that's the way that program works. You get paid the regular amount that Medicare would provide no matter what. It's just like making a med sub claim, basically. But the people, um, the doctors still just, there were too many. Too many doctors, too many area, too many people to call on to try to get that resolved. And in the office staff, for them to remember it when somebody actually was enrolled in the plan. You didn't have that many people enrolled in it. You didn't come up against it that much. So remembering what you heard from that carrier rep, you know, ten months ago when somebody signed up and how they're actually going to be covered and they're going to get paid their full amount was forgotten. So maybe in rural areas where it's a smaller net group of doctors or smaller. Uh, ability, uh, availability of doctors and hospitals, maybe that would work in that area. So it's, yeah. I never say never. It could still work yeah. and probably does in some areas. Yeah, cool. Well, moving along, trends. You know, I kind of talking about private fee service and, and the MSAs, but I don't know if those trends are, we've already covered those trends. So trends like benefits, product designs, um, is there anything you're seeing? Um, what, what are you seeing out there? What are you hearing about out there from the, the carrier world? Do you hear anything new about any new trends, any new product designs, anything else that we could be looking forward to or how things are changing and how they're doing services, whatever? Just kind of a loaded question there. Well, a couple of things I, that come to mind when I think about trends and what might happen next, because right now this is the time of year where every carrier is working feverishly to figure out what are we going to change for next year. We know how much money we get from Medicare. We're aware of how much we, we think what we're going to get from Medicare. So what can benefits can we provide for that dollar amount we get from Medicare every month in this Medicare Advantage space? And so 
that's why every year in the fall, we come, we see that Medicare Advantage plans come up with a new benefit. We're going to have over-the-counter this year. We're going to have a better dental plan. We're going to have, we're going to take that extra money that we get from Medicare because we're saving them so much money and we're going to apply it to new benefits. But I keep looking at what they offer today and I think, what else could they offer? Where, where can they go with this? Because there's so many things out there that uh, I've heard that some plans will pay for somebody to get an air conditioner. There's plans, especially those decent plans, they often have benefits like that, help somebody have an air conditioner in their home or more comfort, creature comforts will be provided. Uh, one of the things that used to be uh, new was when you could get a life alert type system, you know, where I fall and help me, I can't get up. Now that seems to be pretty commonplace. So I really don't know what the next big thing will be. I think what has happened in the last year, I noticed, was a lot of emphasis was paid to dental. Because dental, for every carrier that I have ever worked for and have been familiar with, providing dental is the biggest issue and the biggest source of customer complaints. That's what people complain about, that the dental doesn't work the way they thought it would or the way it was sold to them or whatever it might be. So I think that what the carriers are trying to do is they try to bump those benefits up. And they've been several carriers this year have had maximums of $2,000, $3,000 and more of a fee-for-service type approach to the benefit. I think Aetna's is set up that way versus a um, HMO network of dentists or DMO, as you might want to call it, of dentists that you have to work through. And then you're just getting a discount on the services or whatever that might be. So I think that's probably going to where you're going to see the most changes in that dental because they really want to fix it. They really don't want to receive so many complaints in that area. But fixing it when you're using a dental provider, it's not your own dentist or you're not paying the claims yourself or whatever is problematic. So I don't know how they're going to improve that, but that's where I see them trying to do more to draw people into the plans by providing better dental. One of the things some carriers have done was add deep cleanings because they seem to be that much more popular. It used to be they weren't covered and you had to pay for an upgraded deep cleaning because now you need scaling and all these other things on your teeth. So that's one of the things I'll see more plans adding that as an upfront benefit on the basic dental. So those are kind of some of the things I think will happen going forward. But other, but, but creative benefits for going forward, I have no idea where they're going to go. I feel like they've covered everything. What else could they possibly do? We've got hearing aids. We've got personal alert systems. We have Dental, dental, we have chiropractic, we have acupuncture, we have so many plans, have so many variable benefits out there that are um, available to their members. And so many of them aren't used, silver sneakers, all those types of things. So many of them aren't used. They got to figure out where they're going to get their most bang for their buck. Right. No, I can, I agree with you. I think that has been the weakest link. It has been dealing with the dental. When you started mentioning that, I, I was like, you know something? That is the wrinkle that everyone has. You know, for example, you walk in with your HMO Medicare Advantage card, right, to the de to the dental office. I have dental with you. I'm told I have a PPO plan. Mm -hmm. That for the dental, right? And the dentist says, no, it says HMO in your card, mm -hmm. right? You you hit. I mean, you you nailed it there because that's they have. They're using the PPO network for the dental, but the medical is the HMO. And so there is a lot of uh, misunderstanding or lack of knowledge or continuity in how it works for members to be able to get the most out of that benefit. And uh, so you're right. I think that'll be where, um, um, based on what I've seen this year, I think it's been the buzzword. The last couple of years has been the dental, probably been the best thing. You know, maybe and that maybe a little bit more vision, but yeah. 
Yeah. And just a point of training for any agents who do enroll somebody in a Medicare Advantage that has a dental option to it or a dental plan associated with it in any way, it's very important for them to educate their client that when they go to the dentist, they don't say, I'm on United Healthcare plan. They're on the dental network, whatever the plan is called in the dental. I'm on Delta Dental or I'm on Aetna Dental or whatever it is, but it's not that HMO. They, they should not be presenting that regular HMO card as their dental benefit because that will set them on the wrong path to begin with. That's very difficult. Yeah. And that's where they start. They don't understand it. They, you know, or they'll call a dentist and say, I'm on United Healthcare. Do you accept my dental plan? Well, then we don't know because United has a variety of dental plans within their network that they, they could be on. So it's important that the people understand exactly which network they're in in order to get the right information from dentists that might be in or out of network. Yeah, cool. So carriers. Ay, ay, ay. It seems like we have so many carriers already. But are, are, are you hearing, are, are more wanting to do the same thing? Are you hearing more of that? Uh, what's, what are you hearing from, again, up from your mountaintop? Um, what are you hearing out there? And Marcus, anything new? Yeah. I haven't heard of any new that are going to enter the Nevada market, but I think you're always going to see plans that are already in Nevada that are going to add other alternative plans, either um, probably more to the DSNP area, many or, or CSNPs, they might be looking toward specialized plans where they can capture a different part of the population they're not capturing today, or where they can get people on plans that can be better managed than a regular plan would be, because now they're in a network, of a plan that's targeted specifically to their condition. So I think you're going to see more of that. And uh, that's going to be opening up opportunities for people when those kind of plans become available. It gives agents the opportunity to market to a different population and find new resources. So that's why it's always so important as an agent to make sure you make yourself referable. Everybody you do enroll or you do work with, make sure they like you so much that no matter who they meet, they're going to want to talk about you so that you'll get those opportunities as they uh, expand their, their, pop, their, their uh, outreach to their friends and neighbors and family and say, oh, I know just the guy you need to talk to because he helped me with my plan or she helped me with my plan. And I couldn't say enough about them. So that's what we're, of course, one of the ways that we get our business. But helping those folks through those plans will endear them to you even more because those complicated plans, like a CSNP and a DSNP, most people don't understand them. So if you become adept at understanding those plans, you have a whole new group of clients that don't have people that they can trust because it's complicated, more complicated than Medicare. And we all thought com Medicare was complicated, but CSNP and DSNP can be even more complicated. Yeah, agree. So um, I'm going to come to marketing next. But before I get there, I wanted to talk about managing the workflow. You know, COVID's changed how we do things, how we serve people, um, how we keep up with people. And I know with um, with our partnership we have with, with Carruthers and Garrity that we have um, tools to be able to assist with that. So can you kind of elaborate how we're helping brokers manage their business, their workflow, and keeping up with carriers and keeping up with their clients per se, not the carriers per se, but clients? We actually have a lot of tools. And some of the tools start with training. You know, we, provide, we try to provide a lot of training to help um, agents 
become more familiar with the products in their market, the way the market works or how the products work in order to make them more effective in the marketplace. Once we go past that point, there's actually tools once people are connecting to prospects. You know, we, as between Garrity Advantage and Carruthers, we put these tools together for the agents and offer them through our websites. One of them is what we call Medicare Select-A-Plan, where you can actually quote the, pro- the plans that you are contracted with through Carruthers in this uh, engine. And that engine then will subsequently allow you to send out a scope of appointment, have it returned electronically, and then help that person review the plans electronically with you and then have them enroll electronically so you don't have to actually meet people in person anymore like we used to. And that's been a, a great tool now that because of COVID, I think that really took off. It's been very, very effective. So that's one of the things that we provide. We also have a few other things that we do to help people keep connected to their clients. We have a system of what we would call maybe a robocall, I guess is how we'd refer to it, where uh, an agent can record a message from themselves to their clientele. And this becomes very effective during the beginning before AEP starts to connect with each one of your clients to say, hey, I'm still your agent. We're moving into AEP, and if you need, think you need to make any changes to your plan, I'm your man. Give me a call, or uh, we have a system where actually if they're available during that time, they can be connected to automatically. Press one if you want to talk to me right now, and they can send that out. They can upload their uh, contact list and then send that uh, to be worked when they're available, and then they'll be able to reach out to their clients more effectively. It also can act as a CRM tool in a way where they keep in track of their clients based based on that. So those are some of the things that we offer as well as, you know, marketing, trying to get into different areas of marketing, thinking about where am I going to find people either during uh, out of AEP like now or as I'm preparing for AEP, what kind of relationships can I make with um, venues in my area, senior centers, uh, senior living, um, food banks, doctor's offices, other providers, dentist's offices, hearing aid providers, all the different vendors you use in the plans that are you're contracted with, there are vendors everywhere all over the area that would be welcome maybe a lunch and learn to learn how their program works within that particular company you're working with and how you can be a resource to the clients that they have who need to find a hearing aid, for example, need to get a hearing aid. You can help them get into the program that will give them the hearing aid benefit that benefits them the most. And of course, it would have to be with that particular vendor that you're working with. So that's an, uh, the kinds of things that people would be thinking of how they're going to build their their uh, refer, their um, lead flow as we get into AEP. So a couple of comments or thoughts that I had, because I know when I heard about the robocalls, um, my eyes kind of rolled in my head at first saying, oh, not another robocall. How much we love that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought about it more and I actually talked to a couple uh, seniors about it, about how markets change. I didn't talk about what we were doing, just talking about how the market's changing and you know what was happening. I was on the phone with someone that was Medicare eligible the other day and the phone, his landline rings. Oh, it's probably another robocall. That's how the conversation started, right? And so what was interesting was I asked him, I said, you know, it's interesting. I'm working on starting a, a program doing robocalls to our clients because um, we're all being taxed with so much responsibility now to keep up with our clients and trying to serve as many people 
and keep them up to date. Not everybody's reading their mail. Not everybody's reading their emails. And so we thought about approaching the uh, robocalls, kind of doing updates, letting you know, uh, make sure you're using your dental benefits, whatever the topic we want to do, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the client said, I would like that if, it, if they actually left the message. He says, because a lot of those robocalls, they just call and hang up, right? Mm -hmm. He said, but they left me the message and it was from you or someone else. I would value it. I would take it. I, I, I would appreciate that phone call. And I'm saying, that's good. That's a good idea. I am saying, okay, we're on to something. And so I appreciate that tool that any of our brokers can use. We just need to reach out to us so we can get the, their contact people loaded in the system, right? There's only so many you can do at once. And then obviously recording the message, it's a, it's, it's a system that you have to earn because you respect it and, and, uh, and use it. And, and so, because there are fees that are involved for us to, to do. So we need to make sure that it's, we get the most out of it for everybody's benefit. And then the other thing is, is that that Medicare Selective plan, I am, um, I'm so grateful for it because, you know, this year with COVID, um, we finally got pushed into the pool, as they say, <laughs> to use technology. The ones that were fighting, they still wanted to use paper. And some of you are on the phone or listening right now. Um, however you're listening to us, you're still saying, I still like paper. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, um, once you go electronic, you'll never go back. You're going to say, why did I ever do it? And there's nothing better than when you can log into our system that we have for you to log in, load your clients, you load their doctors, load their medications. It's there permanently. You enroll in a plan, next year comes around, you don't have to, you know, are your medications the same? Let's see if you have to say if you're on the right plan or whatever the circumstances are. It's there. Plus, whether you're in person with them and using the electronic um uh, pad to sign. And so it's really funny on that note is I don't have one of those fancy signature pads. So I have them use a mouse and it's like being in kindergarten all over again, using a big fat red pencil <laughs> to write your name and everyone kind of giggle, giggle, giggles. And so it's kind of a nice high point, if you will, where everyone kind of chuckles and uh, deals with their humility and, uh, and uh, of doing the enrollment signature and then it's kind of a fun process. Then we're able to just save it, download it, email them their enrollment forms. It's already into the carrier. It's done. You move on to the next. And you didn't miss something. You got the right Medicare claim number. You got everything you need. And so what a beautiful tool. And uh, you can do it for the MAPD as well as the PDP. If you're doing a med set, the system pushes you right through to the carrier's website, right to the page where you can enroll in the and the MedSup, if you choose, choose to do that as well, but you still have your scope, you still have everything all retained there. What a great tool. So, um, and I know when I was talking to Mike Harris and your team, uh, he basically said, we didn't realize how well this program was going to uh, take on this year. And I believe, and I hope I'm not misquoting, but I think the number was, is that we had 67% of our people enroll through that platform, it was so successful, wasn't expecting that high of a numbers to trust something that was new. But because of we were kind of pushed into the pool again, we had to trust something and not have to go through every carrier and load everything and every carrier was a great system. So kudos for, for you and your team and all of us to have that program. And, and so um, marketing is that 
I, I agree. You mentioned starting to touch on marketing. We're having to get back to the basics. You know, what you mentioned about, you know, we've heard people say, own your zip code, get to know your the places where you like to frequent, your coffee shops, your doctors, your the the providers that are in the provider booklet to get to know those those the audiologists and the and the ophthalmologists, optometrists, so on and so forth, that you can then get referrals from to let them know you're a resource to help them keep them as their clients but also help them have resources to meet those needs because it's so expensive to get that, you know, those, those needs taken care of and that our plans give it to them. And I agree with that. I'm, I'm also hearing about, um, I've been hearing lately about Medicare workshops that people think they have to attend a Medicare workshop, how generic in nature, but it's obviously becoming a buzzword for those people turning 65 um, and so on. And so that's interesting as well. And so, we cover those, but is there, are you seeing any other trends or hearing other trends from your colleagues about how else are brokers marketing throughout the country? Is there anything that else is going that uh, we didn't kind of cover in our conversation? I think that one of the things that's happening that is frustrating to brokers is the advertisements you see on TV for the 1-800 number with uh, Brett Farr or uh, Joe Namath or somebody suggesting that you're missing out if you don't call this number. So that's why I think the grassroots efforts of being connected to your market, just like you said, own your zip code, own the providers in your zip code, own the facilities in your zip code, own those different things so people don't have the need to call that number and uh, cut you out of the process because that's what they'll end up doing by going to a phone number like that where they'll be promised all kinds of things. But just the ad promises me I'm going to hear all these great things, but they're not going to hear anything different than they would hear from you. And if they hear it from you and you're their local trusted advisor, they're going to trust it. So I, that's the only thing I see that's really changed the way marketing is occurring. And we see so much more of that. And I think so many of us hear those commercials and saying, how can they say that? I, that's not Medicare doesn't allow that. But somehow Medicare is allowing it and it's happening, but it's uh, a huge um, kick of the, the butt to those of us who are marketing traditionally to be more effective and to get out there in front of these people before they call that number, because that number makes it difficult for them to get the answers that they would have. And, and the personal touch after that, the personal touch you provide after you enroll somebody, checking in with them after they've enrolled, making sure they got their ID card. Um, when I was managing a sales team for United Healthcare and various Humana and various companies, we used to have a 30, 60, 90 day strategy. You check in with your client, actually the first 10 days to make sure they got their card, but then you check with them at 30 days to make sure they were still happy. Everything was going okay. They knew how to access the system. They knew how to reach their provider, if, especially if they're new to the HMO system. And then subsequently call them again at 60 days and then at 90 days to avoid chargebacks. You know, the big thing is that it, Somebody has to stay on the plan 120 days in order for you to keep your commission. So checking in with those clients, that's another way to become referable. You're reaching out to those people, making sure they understand how to use what they have. That is a way of marketing. And I think it's a very effective way of marketing. So I would add that to my list of things that I would do as a marketer to cement the sale and subsequently look for referrals. You know, I agree. I think, I think the trend is getting back to the basics. Um, my dad used to say 10, three, one, you know, um, every 10 approaches, you know, three appointments, one sale, uh, that's old school, but it's, it's what works. And so it is about the follow up, the follow through the relationships, 
as technology, people realize when they go on the internet or over the telephone that they are being failed by them because they're quickly doing it and not realizing what they've done. So they're getting stung by internet and by television. And so us being stable, tried and true and supporting our clients the way we've all been trained to do it and to serve them well, that referral, I think long run, the long game is gonna succeed for us. I agree. I think we gotta do the basics. And so that's great. Um, I think I've covered all the questions I could come up with. Is there anything that you would like to say in closing that maybe we missed, Tricia? Nothing other than I think you have a fabulous group of people that you get to work with every day. And we are pleased to be part of that as Garrity Advantage, providing the tools for you and your agency to grow and um, build the business that we know is very important to each and every one of your agents who's representing the Medicare Advantage space. And thank you very much for letting me share this uh, podcast with you today. Great. Well, thank you for participating. It was always excited to have you because I know that your wealth of experience and knowledge and, and our longstanding partnership with Garrity is important to all of us. And, and uh, thank you and our listeners. I um, look forward to seeing you in person and uh, look forward to our next podcast. We'll see what the next surprise is. And uh, until next time, take care, everyone. For more about the topics discussed here today, please visit us at carothersinsurance.com forward slash coffee with Chris. Until next time.